to the Boy Hattie Podcast. I'm Annie. I'm Bill. And I'm also surprised that we didn't get any notes from Grumpy Turtle this week about all the eating we did on last week's podcast. Because <laughs> we were still eating Hannah Groff's candy that she sent us. Uh, what's this wee stuff, Kimosabi? You know, I ate all the food I was going to eat before we started recording. I'm having gummy snakes for breakfast. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, I had a wholesome donut. Mm, yeah, we also still have the Tim Tams out. I made some more of that breakfast English tea. And that tea is good oh, shit, man. son. I'm surprised because, like I said, I'm not a big fan of tea, but that bre- English breakfast tea. How you doing? <laughs> also, this weather, you know, being late November, everything, it's cold and rainy. Yeah. It's nice to have a warm cup of tea. I drank an entire pot of coffee by myself yesterday morning in the span of about an hour. It was yeah. a really bad idea. So I texted my wife. I'm like, how the hell do you use our coffee maker? Because we got a new coffee maker. She texted me back, told me how to do it. I did it. And then while I was waiting for the coffee to brew, I absently poured some half and half into my cup. And, uh, uh... I accidentally poured too much, and as I filled it with tea, or with coffee, like, it was all the way full, and it was still, like, milky white from cream. Wow. And this is a big fucking penguin mug, too. Yeah. It's like a big damn mug, so I was like, oh, man, I gotta, what I should do, because I'm a genius, I'm like, I should get another mug, pour half of this into that, and then fill them both up with coffee and drink both of that. And so the mug I grabbed was this giant bowl-shaped mug we have, and so, like, it emptied, those two mugs emptied the entire coffee pot. Why did you stuff a bunch of sugar in there and it would have been like a coffee milkshake? Well, I put a lot of sugar in there to begin with anyway. So, yeah. And then I was like, well, now I have to drink it all before it gets cold, right? Doesn't coffee make you poop? Coffee does How much you defecate. <laughs> well, it's not like it makes me defecate with great uh, in, in enthusiasm. Well, I was sure it's a diuretic, but not that it actually gives you diarrhea, although no, I've heard yeah. that does that too. 30 minutes after I drank that coffee, I uh, took a, a break. No, but coffee's so. supposed to leach the, leach the minerals from your bones. Because I'm health conscious, if nothing else. Oh, of course, Bill. I've noticed that about you as you eat your gummy snakes. <laughs> uh-huh. So how's your week? My week was good. My week was good. I did nothing but um, uh, laze about with the missus and uh, play a shit ton of Assassin's Creed 4. How's that treating you? I've, it really... They may have fixed all of my problems with Assassin's Creed in this game. Really? Yeah. So we have a protagonist who's interesting, and the best part about him is that he does not give a shit about assassins or Templars, so he approaches all of the gravity of this conflict how with far... the same eye roll perspective that I do. Oh, okay. How far into the game are you? Like, how many hours? Um, I have a uh, oh, shit ton of hours, but I've been doing a lot of side quest stuff. I am okay. I am 50% complete with What city game. are you in? Uh... I'm not doing it linearly. Houston. I'm kind of exploring. So Spoilers. I just, I just got into Kingston. You're fighting at the Alamo. That's right. Uh, but uh, I, I fucked up a couple... Like, I've done a lot of convoys and everything. I'm really enjoying the naval battles. Oh, so you always... Like yeah, I, even, I'm, like, I only played a, like a two hours, so I'm still in some fan. I'm, I'm I have around. probably I've... spent about 40 hours at Sass Creed so Have you built like a ship leader? Because I know... Yeah. Because you were talking about supposedly there was like uh, an online social aspect to, well, like, you can collect other ships or something like that? Assassin's Creed does this fascinating thing where they spend a lot of time explaining to you things over and over again. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, I, like I said, I'm like, like 40 hours game. in this game, and it's still telling me to change weapons, use the D-pad. But then there are aspects that they just don't explain to you, like, at all. For example, these Navy battles. That's not, stuff. like, exclusive to the PlayStation version of the game, right? Oh, no, no, no. Assassin's Creed has always had this problem. Oh, always. Okay. Always, always. I don't even notice, man. So, there is a social component that they're vague about, but I think it's literally just whatever, if you have friends on the same system playing the game, then you share data. I saw a new guest. Somebody was uh, trying to get into um, 
there was there, there was a thread where somebody was trying to get into the Assassin's Creed games because you know this person had heard all about them and, and so right. he asked everyone like okay what's the if I was going to start Assassin's Creed what game should I start off with and everyone just started screaming Assassin's Creed two mm-hmm. even though uh, some people argue like what the second Assassin's Creed two game yeah. is better yeah. yeah you want to start off with Ezio's thing and that kind of yeah. got me thinking would you agree like if if and for Honestly, anyone who's listening to the podcast who's never played an Assassin's Creed game if they had to start somewhere would you just say assassin's creed 2 well see it depends are you asking me which is the best assassin's well, creed I, game for someone to start just the assassin's creed or game if someone wanted with. the like the the purest assassin's creed experience which is kind of a tricky question because like you know, then you had like well do you want the do you, like if you want to get into the lore of it like how back do you i mean if you want to get in the lore you play every the single bullshit game. lore the bullshit lore yeah which now see, if you make... just want the pure gameplay experience of assassin's creed of course i would ex- i would uh recommend either 2 or Brotherhood. Yeah. But but Assassin's Creed 4 is the best Assassin's Creed game. Like, if you wanted to just play... Well, there's play... not the lore of the, multi- of, uh, of the modern-day stuff, really. No, there so is much. still. There, I know there's a little bit, but it's not quite so much that you're feel, like, going to feel like you missed out on anything. But my point is is that it's the best Assassin's Creed game, but it jettisons a lot of the Assassin's Creed stuff. Yeah. Like, I spent way less of this time assassinating and clambering around on buildings. That's weird. Which, but, which yeah. is one of the reasons why it's so good, because it's a fra- it's, it's very smart in how how they um, distribute gameplay. Mm-hmm. In a lot of the Assassin's Creed games, as much as I enjoy them, I sink a lot of time into them, and you're doing the same things over and over again. Yeah. You really are. I mean, everything involves climbing, running, stabbing, like, that sort of stuff. They're really smart in Assassin's Creed 4, just the breadth of things you can do and the way they combine gameplay. Like, when you attack a ship, so you have your, your ship attacking stuff, you, um, you can then choose to either just destroy it and get what? No, I'm sorry. I lost my iPad. I don't know where I put it. <laughs> where did you put it? That's pretty impressive. That is, did I leave it upstairs? Because uh, I was going to bring no, out the show, my show notes because I had ideas. Because oh, you just right showed here. me Tom Hardy. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. From... Yeah. Anyway, uh, so when you attack a ship, you can't. You got your ship combat element. Um, you've got. You can then choose to just destroy the ship for some supplies, or you can board it. Mm-hmm. So when you do boarding, that adds a little. Um, swivel gun minigame and if you don't kill enough dudes with that then you actually have to board the ship and fight the people so then you've got the fighting elements and sometimes you need to take down the snipers that are up in the crow's oh, nest see, that's cool. or take down uh, the flag so then and you've so got that's a climbing kind of element. a lot of the climbing of the cities. But and, my point is stuff, is that yeah. in just this one event you have so many different ways you can approach it and so many different things to do. Well it's just that formula evolving a little bit yeah. or at least like packing more stuff even if they have to take out some of the, the signature Assassin's Creed stuff stuff it's nice but, to see that they're willing to put in some much some new like uh, gameplay stuff the signature assassin's creed stuff is still there but oh, now yeah, it's not it's, gone, but it's yeah. like it's more like there's a buffet with where you're eating a little bit of everything as opposed to just gorging on no, that, the, now that stuff is the, the, the like the dessert or yeah. it's like the grave you put on top of the other stuff Rather than just being, like, the first, uh, like, Assassin's Creed 1 just being a bucket of the gravy. Right. Yeah. And this is also, so my big problem with Assassin's Creed has been um, the, the the lore of the world and the fiction of the world uh, basically boils down to the Templars, uh, though they think they're in the right. They are in no way just, you know, mustache-twirling villains. They really think they're trying to save humanity. Yeah. Um, the Templars are about power. And the assassins are about freedom and friendship. Whereas the Templars have no problem with using things that are oppressive to get power if they think it's for the ultimate good. Whereas the assassins are all about brotherhood and fellowship and all these things and, you know, stabbing people. 
But you've always, in all these Assassin's Creed games, you keep talking about fellowship, and you keep talking about brotherhood, and you don't have any fellows, and you don't have any brothers. Yeah. At least not you give a shit about. Like, they've had people like, you know, your um, Forrest Gump famous people who wander in, like, you know, Ezio knew Da Vinci, and well, like... Well, you even mentioned with Assassin's Creed 3, I never got far enough to see this, but you end up on a farm where you're kind of got, like, some buddies you're hanging out with. It. Yeah. But it's never quite, it doesn't really uh, work they into the tried gameplay. To, they tried to do, add this brotherhood the sense of family with that and it didn't quite work because it was so superfluous to the rest of the game like you could play your entire game without really talking to those people well also there was an assassin's creed 2 part 2 brotherhood i can't Mm -hmm. believe like you have to just call it brotherhood yeah uh, assassin's creed 2 brotherhood the second assassin's creed 2 game there is the thing where you do you can recruit other assassins and train them and do stuff but you know you don't interact with them as characters or anything like that they're just like faceless npcs in 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 the world that you meet and just say go off to italy and stab this guy in the face and i don't even see it you're just like a statistic on a screen after after they they refined that in revelations which was the last Ezio game where you would recruit these assassins and yes you could there was basically a passive i don't want to say metagame but like side game where there's a map and you can determine the difficulty and you can rank up your dudes and equip them with other things and send them Mm -hmm. off these missions and in five hours maybe they succeed maybe they don't but uh, um, in, Asa- in Revelations, they tried to improve that by having not only recruiting these assassins, but you can choose to make one of them the head assassin of their little bureau. Yeah. Because the idea of Revelations is that you're basically a grandmaster and you're coming to the city to help set up these assassins. So um, that's the one that takes place in Constantinople, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you you pick these head assassins, and then part of them becoming the main assassin of their little group of their bureau is they have a mission that they do and that mission is it has a little bit of a narrative to it but because you can pick whatever assassin you want and send them off mm-hmm. there it's not super personalized like you don't use their names oh, yeah exactly yeah like and said, they're just a, a, a statistic on a spreadsheet at that well point. they're not a statistic they have a face they have a voice but they're not really given a character because it's you could pick anyone yeah so in this one they fix that quite they, they go to uh, another extreme to try to address that with not only having um, the uh, you have a brotherhood here mm-hmm. in that you have the brotherhood of pirates. You meet all these pirate people. They have they're, they're fairly interesting characters. They're not as boring and How shitty. Are historical characters. Uh, they're actually kind of charming so far. Yeah. Anyway, so Black you're describing this mechanic, yeah. Uh, anyway, they have... Uh, you can do the... Since you are not really an assassin, you're just kind of a fucker uh, who wants money. Uh, you, <laughs> you're essentially a uh, wizard people do reader character. Pretty much. Which is why <laughs> Edward's great. Uh, but uh, one of the first <sighs> things you do in the game is... And this is literally the first action, so this isn't much of a spoiler. You give a map to the Templars identifying where all the assassin bureaus are and who's in charge of them. And Because you don't know what this shit means. Well, you exactly, just yeah, because you just walk into the situation all you know. Yeah, exactly. exactly. There's just so, uh, two you're factions like, fighting and you, yeah. You're like, sure, I'll give you this for a thousand dollars, no problem. Well, so now these bureaus have been compromised and you go to each of these bureaus and you say, hey, I kind of got you in trouble. Uh, on top of that, each of these Templars in the around these assassin bureau areas have a key that Edward wants. So A, you're kind of doing them, you're like, hey, I'm warning you that I fucked you up. And also B, I want this thing, so can you help me so achieve this objective? So do you eventually start Siding with the assassins yeah. side of everything? Well, the the assassins will pay him more, so what it boils down to. The Templars oh, are cheap okay. bastards. It's pretty clear. Well, yeah, because yeah, if he's supposed to be 
kill this rogue guy. Well, also, he has enough allies on the assassin's time, oh, side that it's not, he's not like he is choosing through, he at no point makes any sort of moral. I know, so you're just, if he's supposed to be like this kind of renegade character and the Templars are supposed to be like the guys in power, he, yeah. his personality might make it so like Very he's, so. he's going to side with the underdog a little bit. And if they're paying more, that, exactly. that's just not his bonus. That's, but, that's oh, kind of it. So it does, you're still, even if you're not an assassin, you're still kind of siding with the assassin. Very much so, oh, okay, yeah. Okay, okay. So, I don't know, um, I, I thought maybe it would be, he would be vague on his allegiance to the, the Templars... Well, you're going to find out the twist ending is that he's... Yeah, what a twist. You're, well, you're going to find out that he's been a Templar son, the whole time. Your son is a Templar, and you have, are technically... Wait, the pirate guy's son? Is he old enough to have a kid? His son is Kenway from Assassin's Creed 3. Is it Edward Kenway? His son this is, is his dad. This is his dad. That's hilarious. Yeah, it's it's kind of great. Oh, I didn't actually. realize this takes place so soon before that prologue of Assassin's yeah. Creed 3. Yeah, yeah. You play Edward Kenway. You do you are... see? Do you see his son in this game? No. Do you like his son is not? I'm even going to teach you dead. about opera. His mother is back in England, bitching about him sailing around the Caribbean. Oh, that's that's actually kind of interesting. I like the fact that this actually, even though this is an, an, a different numbered Assassin's Creed game, it actually ties into the last one. A little Which bit. is interesting because there Just is kind of this, this faint thread of family in Assassin's yeah. Creed, and it's nice to have that kind of beat. Yeah, I kind of wish they, they made more of a meal out of Ezio's family in those three games. Yeah, they're I really mean, just you're... side objectives. I mean, they, you meet them and stuff like that, but I yeah. wish like it would have been great to play. Ezio's like son or grandfather, or you know, like some kind of like someone else in the Ezio bloodline. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, but anyway, these you go to these missions for these assassins, and you help, you warn them, and you help them, and in the pro- really all Edward wants is this fucking key. He can give two shits about these people. But what's <laughs> it's like nice, a big, like revolving Mario key, the, like, pretty much, the environment you have to pick pretty up. Much. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, these oh. assassins. What's neat is that the little stories they tell with these assassins are kind of interesting. They're playing with all these... That actually sounds good. I'm glad they did that then. I played one last night that are two brothers that are assassins, and one of them falls in love with a Templar. So, you know, there's that element going... And on top of that, they each have half a map. Are these all guys? No. I met last night a lady assassin. This is another thing that they addressed in the assassin. I really feel that they listen to a lot of criticisms, and they address them. You have a fair amount of women, and they're not as... I mean, there's still a lot of sexualizing, but... There are a number of them that aren't super sexualized, like and there Bonnie are just as many she, she sexualized women. Is she dressed like women. a slutty pirate and stuff? Well, she I only just met her, and okay. she does have giant tits on display. Uh, but, uh, so, but you know, you have uh, Mary who... Reed, and Mary Reed is great. Was Anne Bonnie one of the ones who dressed up as a, as a guy? I don't think Anne Bonnie ever did. Oh, okay. I mean, they wore, wore men's clothes, but they weren't. Well, yeah, well, I mean, know. that's really what was all available on a ship. But I know, but, like, uh, some of the women, most of the women we went to see wound up pretending to be guys just to, just to escape by. It was by. the easiest way. But if you way. have giant tits, that's going to be a hell of a lot harder to pull yeah. off. Yeah. Uh, so, but they, they, so they have these great little stories, and these characters are little characters yeah. that are, they're able to explore these little elements. Like, you have another one where his assassin, actually this lady assassin you meet, who's kind of great, she has broad Irish accent. Um, she, uh, uh, she is actually attracted to the Templar in question, but they are both doing like, this gun smuggling operation, and like, it's, it's, they're doing these clever little things. Do you get to hang really... out on your boat for a while? Does your boat become like a thing you could just hang out on? And That's explore? what I thought there would be. I was kind of surprised because I thought that, and I talked about this in the podcast in the past. I thought the inevitable solution was your crew 
are characters that you meet yeah, in the Yeah, because I would have assumed, yeah. Which exactly. would have kind of been a compromise of the Assassin's Creed 3 model, which was you had this homestead, you could recruit farmers to it or a hunter or whatever, and then you progressed through their stories and leveled them up and yeah. leveled up your, your earnings and everything like that. The only member of your crew that has a name is your quartermaster. That is He's really He's a great weird. character. And I thought your boat would be kind of like your villa in Assassin's Creed 2 that you're yeah. kind of upgrading. Yeah, you do upgrade it, and but the benefit of that yeah. is, whereas the villa in Assassin's Creed 3 was to passively make money, like the more leveled up it was. Well, too, yeah. In in uh, you, you bought paintings yeah. to fill up your villa, which is out. So this is this that. is kind of interesting. So in Assassin's Creed 4, you um, level up your ship to make it stronger, yeah. so then you can take down bigger targets and bring in more money that way. The only way to passively make money in this game is through the. Um, the um, naval missions, like the naval convoy. Do you have to pay extra things. for like a figurehead with bigger titties on the? You front? do actually. Oh really? You do. <laughs> uh, but uh, so you can do make decorative changes like that. We too. finally upgraded but... from the fat lunch lady uh, figurehead to the sexy mermaid. I was kind of pissed because I'm well trained in Assassin's Creed that upgrading your homestead means something. Yeah. Easy. So eventually you do get an island that's kind of like your home base, okay. and you can you can add a tavern there. And adding tavern means that all the pirates you meet in the world are kind of drunk and that you can hire as basically your like brutes, your thugs, mm-hmm, yeah. to fight with you. They become free. If you open a brothel, then all the dancers in the world become free. And, uh, you know, there's some things you can do there that give you tangible benefits. And then after you've kind of done all those things, then there's this manor. And you can level up the manor. So you, you pay $40,000 and you get it repainted and repaired. And you have to pay another 40000 you get the gardens on the tower. And then you pay another 40000 you get a guest house. And I'm like, oh man, what's going to happen when I finish upgrading my manor? At the end of it, you get fucking multiplayer bonuses. This is like $100,000 in game. Have you even touched the multiplayer? No. Because I know it's supposed to be like you know still stealthy, and for multiplayer Assassin's Creed, it's pretty good. Yeah, it's, it's just, not just deathmatch. I just but... have no interest in multiplayer. Fuck, that sucks. I just, really don't. No. I would be interested in like a co-op Assassin's Creed thing where it's like where there's assassination and you have to go in on someone with yeah. it. But that's a lot of work for something. Man, that's... I kinda, I really really kind of regret not letting you buy the PlayStation Four so you could play all this on PlayStation Four stuff. I know from watching you on your PS4 that the differences are so. Well, I know it looks almost exactly identical, but yeah. I don't know maybe if like like. The sea battles may have been a little bit more like Man. glossy or something Man. like that. Yeah, this is glossy enough for me. Because I've been so busy playing Mario and Zelda this week, I, I like I've not touched. A and like I said, I have now played the beginning of this game three times. I have no interest in doing it a fourth time. Thank you. So, especially uh, now when I'm fifty percent done. Oh man, the Xbox though. Like, I'm so used to being able to voice control, like, watching DVDs and videos and stuff now. Just, like, just, just like turn it on and off, but just by yelling at the Xbox. Yeah. That, like, going back to the PlayStation 4... Oh, and I fired up the PlayStation 4 just to see if I could buy... Uh, for Black Friday this week, you could buy uh, PlayStation Plus or yeah. subscriptions for... It's almost half off. It was for 30 bucks instead of yeah. 50 And so I, I plugged in the play, uh, PlayStation 4 just to see if I can get that... You know, just buy it straight through the PSN network. I couldn't. But it's so weird just, like... Oh, I have to hit the power button to turn on the PlayStation. It feels so you old and get, archaic. You do get kind of weaned to use some of those fa- voice commands. Yeah. I, the, the only reason why I like the voice commands stuff is for those elements. I don't want it in-game. Yeah. I want it for all the experiences around but It's nice because like, I'll be sitting here drawing and... and, and, and... Like, I can pause or restart or fast-forward something that yeah. without even putting down my Cintiq while yeah. we're working. I just say, Xbox, pause, gotta go take a shit. 
Yeah. The Xbox is what? Why do you got to tell me about that taking the shit part? <laughs> I heard you the first time. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, that's kind of weirdly... I really, getting used really to, like, did so that, like that with the connection. Feels like a weird futuristic tech. It's yeah. really fucking odd. Yeah. The fact that I... Well, especially with the Xbox One, you can sign in just by st- standing in front of it. Yeah. And it just recognizes your face. And I'm like, hey, well, hey, Bill. I'm like... Freaking yeah. me out, man. The 360 was supposed to do that, but it never worked. Yeah. It's like, I am curious to see the improved Kinect technology. I would be a Kinect... I would have an Xbox One if I could be... If I if there were a settings menu where I could selectively turn off the Kinect from certain elements. I wonder if you can. You can't. It's either all least... Kinect or nothing. Yeah. Because it's like, I want it for being Cause... able to navigate and stuff like that, and I'd well, want it for... Well, you can still for... use the controller instead of the Kinect. Well, I know, but, but what I'm saying listening. is, yeah. I want that for that... I do not want to connect in gameplay. I've yet, other than like dancing games and like physical stuff, I've yet to find a game, a classic game, where the experience has been improved by a connect. Uh, also, Blu-rays. I can't seem to control menus and stuff uh, with voice commands on Blu-rays, but on DVDs it works. Hmm. Well, I imagine it's part of the programming because DVDs like, yeah. are so. Well, there's all kinds of stuff both in the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One that both companies admit that should have been there at launch that there aren't. Like, yeah. Just basic. I can't remember anything specifically, but all kinds of like just like. Yeah, the stuff that well, we're gonna patch that in later. So, yeah, yeah the low priority stuff. But yeah, like again, still, if you want to borrow either of those consoles, go ahead because when there's a game that I care about, then maybe. Then like the only real reason I bought them now is just because uh, it's as a it's freelancer, it's always well, it's feast or famine, and it's yeah. fa- feast right now, and so yeah. when it's famine later, at least I have these consoles. Yeah, so, yeah. But, yeah, yeah. I kind of want to play Rise just because I really like shitty Rome stuff. I do. I can't help it. But what actually got lot made me lose all interest. It, more than hearing all the negative stuff about the gameplay, yeah. was the Polygon review pointed out that all that the shorthand for villainy for all the bad guys is a sexual deviancy. Really? And so it's like either pedophilia, homosexuality, or bestiality. That's the shorthand for all these characters. Who are fighting in Rise? Uh, I think corrupt like Romans the or something. Oh, it's just like I don't know. But I mean, the yeah. game looks pretty. It looks gorgeous, but I mean, all the games look pretty. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what they're saying. Like even Forza is supposed to look pretty, but half that game is all microtransactions. Ew. Like, well, yeah, supposedly, well, because they, they, they were under a, a time crunch to get this game out. Like the game only ships with only a fraction as many. Uh, uh, cars and tracks as other Forza games, mm. but even then, half of that shit is locked. You have to pay for that on top of the sixty bucks you're uh, gonna pay for the game. No, and it's, it sounds like uh, Microsoft went really crazy with microtransaction stuff as an experiment. It sounds like yeah, no one's yeah. Bad, like yeah, fuck that shit. Yeah, uh, uh, I think Turn Ten actually came out with a patch this week where they, I think they re- like they lowered the prices of everything because they realized no one was buying that shit because yeah, it's fucking yeah. ridiculous. I gotta tell you, Grumpy Turtle will be excited to hear me say this. <laughs> Uh, the gameplay, the games that I've really been playing this week, other than Assassin's Creed 4, yeah. have been PC, or, or should be computer games. What did you play? Uh, I downloaded this game called Consensual Torture Simulator, Torture Simulator or what? something like that. So there's this lady, and I'm blanking on her name now, um, she does a lot of little twine games, and the thesis behind the game was an interesting one. She's like, so often in games we perform acts of violence that are non-consensual, like we kill people, we harm people, we hurt people. How different would it be to have an experience where you're hurting someone consensually? So like it's a all sex about, thing? Yeah, it's like a sex thing. It's like a BDSM thing. Okay. It's an ele- it's intriguing as an elevator pitch. It's not actually very interesting. <laughs> but uh, but still. Is I it like, like a 3D game? Is it like, no, it's a twine game. What's, what's that brain surgeon simulator game? It's a twine game, Bill. Oh, oh, it's, it oh so it's all just text stuff. Words. Is well Did written. you win? Are you the are you the are you the best mistress? The BDSM point, as the mistress. The point of it is to have a mutually consensual, uh, harmful moment. 
So. What, you guys both, like, hit each other with baseball bats? Well, it's consent. Yeah, anyway. No, I'm just uh, curious, like, what is the act, then? If it's mutually uh, You are, mutually no, 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 mutually consent. No, it's consensual. It is you consenting, and she consents. Oh, so the tables get turned. It is turned. a two. <sighs> anyway. <laughs> I did not actually enjoy that game, but I thought it was an interesting experience, and it was exciting that that existed. There's a text adventure where you can get spanked. You are the spanker, Bill. That is the point. The point is that you are performing violence. How do you win? In gameplay, it's you. You the scene ends like you. The whole point is that your the your partner is asking you to make them cry. Okay. So you have to abuse them to the point in of a good way. Crying. It's the whole point is that it's consent. It's consensual. Well, that's yeah, but like it could be like an. Emo- well, I don't know if there was an emotional component to like maybe yes, like your. You, you beat them until they cry. Well, that that's a physical point. thing. That's what I'm saying. I don't know if like by beating this person, like you're actually talking to them or, or like there's some kind of like. No, I'm serious. I like, know you are, Bill. It's it's it's. Otherwise, BDSM. is it just half one to spank, 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 half one to spank, <laughs> and okay, you just do that for half an hour, and then they it's, cry. You're like, it's, well, I guess I won this game. It's, it's text, so yeah. there are there are a number of different actions that you can perform, and then you choose where you perform them. So yes, I may choose to slap, but where will I slap? And then the descriptions are different each time. Is it? And you can, it's you know, you're hitting can someone. Can you spank the vulva? You cannot. What's the point? You you smack the ass, you smack the back, you smack the face, you smack the chest. That's pretty much. I can't come unless I smack someone the vulva with a TV I officially guy. regret talking. No! So, the other game I played and actually am obsessed with is Papers, Please. The Steam sale is going on this week, and I got Papers, Please on Steam for five bucks. It's worth Have it just for it? the theme song. Dun, it's a really dun, great theme song. Dun, dun. I, again, this is another thing no, where papers, I'm like, I showed that papers, to JoJo. Please, so good. And JoJo's like, what the hell is it? I was like, just, I'm not even going to play it. You play it. Yeah. JoJo's like, what the fuck is this? And like. I highly recommend playing Papers, Please. Did you get this one where she gets, gets, like, firebombed? Yeah. And he was like, what the fuck just... I lost money! So I can't pay the rent now because someone Here's the my... premise of Papers, Please. Yeah. So you are We a... probably already talked about this on the podcast, but that was months ago. Well, yeah. I haven't played it yet, okay, so yeah. you may have mentioned it, but I haven't played it. So, uh, Papers, Please, you are a border guard. Um, excuse me, you're, like, a border agent, and you have to check people's papers as they attempt to cross the border. Yeah, what's the country? It's, like, it's, it's some a, kind of made-up thing, but, like... It's a fictional, like, vaguely Turkish. Russian, Germanic yeah. country. So, um, you're surrounded by all these foes, and they're terrorists. They're uh, it's like Arstovsky or something. Yeah. Like that. Um, so there are um, terrorists trying to perform, uh, you know, bombings or anything like that. And even beyond that, there are people just trying to smuggle things in or trying to sneak in with forged documents. So the gameplay is very simple. You just have to check that their documentation is accurate, that they're actually male or female, that their names match, that their weight is correct. The game's like all seen from your perspective as this person working yeah. in this little office. Visually, thing. it's fascinating. Yeah. They actually essentially try to simulate tedium and bureaucracy, which does not sound fun, but it's great. And the banality of evil. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you are literally, there's on the top part of the screen, you see the queue, and you see the border guards and everything like that, and you see people who've passed by. Then on your um, left, there's kind of a view where you're looking out of your window. You can see the control for your shutters. There are your um, inboxes and outboxes and stuff like that, where you keep your rule book and you keep a transcript. You've got, yeah, you've got like and a little then, drawer for stuff. Yeah. Like your little stamp and everything, yeah. Then on the right, you have your, like, literally your desk. And on this desk, your desk becomes more and more cluttered as you go, both with, doc- like, the memo for the day that's telling you all the things you have well, to look out for. Well, when you first start off, you're and... just kind of looking at, uh, what was it, just to see if the person's, like, name 
and the yeah, birthday you literally matches. only let in you have to make sure that your birth date is correct that the the document is not expired and that they're a citizen yeah then you but the game out. takes place over a month and each round is essentially a day mm-hmm. and each day things get more complicated because uh, political things are happening yeah. there's revolts uh, someone ends up trying to uh, uh, firebomb uh, the the uh, the border crossing that you're working at, so security can, becomes more tight. Yeah. Um, the other thing is that as you're working, you're making money to feed your family. Yes. So this is the and other. And the other thing, yeah, you have to make judgment calls about like, are you going to buy food or medicine for your yeah. family and stuff? Because the faster you go, the more money you make, because you're basically paid per person yeah. you process. So it kind of behooves you to work as fast as possible. But if you work too fast, then you, you fuck up that. and you get penalized yeah. for fucking up. And yet, at the end of the day, if you don't have enough money, then you can choose, well, I can afford to pay rent, but only if I don't pay for heat or food. Does grandma really need that medicine? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's very, very clever. And the graphics are kind of like 8-bitty, but like, they're still really appealing. The music's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And yeah, no, it, it, it's a really interesting game. It's, it's well, I hate to say, I was about to say it's super simple, but it... The, the premise is simple, mm-hmm. but the gameplay gets fucking chaotic after a while. But because even then, you're juggling such... so many factors and you have to judge. Have you gotten to the point where the guy comes up to you with the, like, the old man with the obviously forged documents who tries to sneak past? Yes, but I don't want to talk about it anymore at Elements so the game for people who want to play it. Okay, yeah. But, so, it's, it's interesting because um, it's storytelling through gameplay. Which is kind of interesting, like, you know, all the, the, it's technically just a matching game, right, for yeah. all sorts of purposes. But the gameplay kind of adds to this very particular tone, and, I mean, it's the best kind of union of storytelling and gameplay possible. I can't recommend it highly enough. It's on Steam sale right now for five bucks. It's available, obviously, for Mac, too. It's a Steam Play, so it, I think it's even Linux. I can't, guys, go get Papers, Please. Super good, you will not regret it. Uh, did you see the mod where you uh, play as a uh, sassy black lady? It's called Papers, Please. Papers, please. <laughs> okay, it's your name. I got it for the second time. Bill. I, uh, yeah. I it was running in my head. I couldn't think because I forgot how what the stereotype of racism is. Uh, but yeah, yeah, best, I think uh, the best part. What is... did you find that? It was anyway. on Steam sale. Oh, that's I've all been it hearing, is. Yeah. I've been hearing a lot about it. Uh, Foley, Foley's birthday was last week, and for her present, um, I got her. Uh, I rallied a bunch of people together and got her uh, membership to a local gym. And a lot of people paid me from afar through PayPal. And I don't have PayPal linked to my bank account. So I was like, well, what should I do with this PayPal money? So I went on Steam and I was looking at the Steam sale. I was like, well, I'll just buy everything that I've ever even wanted sort of on Steam sale mm-hmm. and just have it to my library and I'll maybe play it later or whatever. I don't really have time right now. And then I just wanted playing Papers, Please forever. Forever. So good stuff. How was your Thanksgiving? My Thanksgiving was fabulous. Foley and I uh, slept in, got up lazily, made coffee and uh, cinnamon rolls. Then we went to local pie uh, place, Pacific Pie Company. You made cinnamon rolls too because I made cinnamon rolls. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we went to the Pacific Pie Company to pick up 26 pies. They had mini bite-sized pies. So we got six pecans, six pumpkins, six apple, and six... Just for you guys? Uh, coconut hazelnut. No, I'm getting to it. And then I was worried that 24 pies were not sufficient, so I got two five-inch pies, one uh, chocolate peanut butter, one chocolate cream. Oh, So fuck. we pretty much had the be- the array of Pacific Pie Company pies, which are amazing. And uh, then we went home and um, fucked around and played Assassin's Creed. And then we had our guests come over uh for we had over um our friends uh carla and her gentleman friend but what was really exciting was that our friends um kelly nelson and uh, uh josie were visiting from uh, uh the east coast i had no idea she was in town 
Yeah, she's visiting Carla. Okay. So, and it was lovely because I got to meet Josie, which I have not had a chance to do yet. So, uh, it was really, really wonderful to hang out with them, and we had really good food. Foley makes, uh, I'm sure I've talked about this last year, but Foley makes lunch lately Thanksgiving, which is, I told her long ago that what I wanted was essentially what you have in elementary school for Thanksgiving yeah. dinner, which is just shredded turkey breast floating in gravy. So, she makes a good version of that. She caramelizes an onion, um, takes some turkey breast, um, shreds it, um, sautés it, and then pours the gravy in and just lets it all kind of cook. And uh, then we kind of serve that over mashed potatoes, and it's so good. She makes the best mashed potatoes in the world. So, like, stuffing or anything? Yeah, stuffing, green beans, Carla brought... Oh, it's like stovetop stuffing? Yeah. Because that's the best. Yeah, that's well, what I, I made. Yeah. Uh, beets, artichoke, cornbread... And then the pies and the ice cream. And it was really good. Really, oh. really good. And so what's great is that we all had a lovely time just shooting the shit and, and hanging out and chatting. And uh, it was really... I had a lovely little little phone conversation with my family. So we decided that the best movie to watch would be the, a dysfunctional family movie for Thanksgiving. We watched The Lion in Winter. Lion in Winter is... Every time I see it, it's better than I remember it being. Mm-hmm. It's fucking one of the well, best is movies it? Isn't it like Dr. Hepburn? Peter O'Toole and Catherine, Catherine Hepburn. Hepburn. Yeah. The other one. The physicality of those two actors is brilliant. I still have never seen that. It's one of, it is arrested development in the movie, Bill. Mm-hmm. It's uh it's really it's so good. And Peter is O'Toole. There, is there a Buster Bluth? There is. Okay. There's a Job. I need to watch it. That's the thing, I need to watch it with you so I can get the Andy commentary. <laughs> it's really actually it's a movie that you watch in silence it because it's so which king is it about? It's Henry. It's Henry. King Henry and Eleanor of Aquitaine and their children. John, Richard, and Jeffrey. Richard fucks shit up later, right? Well, Richard becomes King Richard of uh, Lionhearted of the Crusades, and then he dies. That's the guy with like the statues and shit, right? Yes, Bill. He has some statues. Did he like make Robin Hood? Like, That's right. He, like, he pushed Robin Hood into a vat of That's Smilex. Right. Exactly. He killed ba- Robin Hood's parents. So this Ro- you don't like it just because it's a Robin Hood prequel. No, I like it because it's basically like, um, uh, the West Wing, only not obnoxious. It's the same kind of rat attack. tat was this movie made? I think it's still a 60s, 70s. So it's color. Yeah. Okay. It's. I really like the music in it. The cinematography is kind of like the liter- like the camera composition is sometimes brilliant. It's it's very it's of the time. <laughs> Man, I might watch that this weekend because I'm I'm I want to watch something this weekend and that sounds like good. It's a good movie to listen to because the dialogue is so great yeah. and rich and it's also a very uh, a movie that really benefits from watching did multiple you, times. Wait, did you end up watching uh, Lawrence of Arabia when I was flipping out about it like two months ago? I watched ago? the first half of Lawrence of Arabia. It's boring. Just because as- it's Oh, but I was I thinking about it. Peter O'Toole, yeah. yeah. Well, what's interesting is that it is funny that the two Peter O'Toole's movie I watched were Lawrence of Arabia and The Lion in Winter, because in The Lion in Winter, they very deliberately costume him to be a bear of a man. Yeah. So they make him, he's got, like, furs like, and thick, shit. Not, not furs. I mean, like, in, te- in terms of scale. Like, yeah. he's just, they make him kind of thick and I can't and imagine him being kind of like that, I, I, I'm so familiar with Peter O'Toole being kind of like a tall, lanky scarecrow. Yeah, see, that's what's yeah. so great. It's such brilliant costuming. So he's, he's just, like, this beast of a man and with this big bristly beard and bellowing all and it's the older time. Catherine Hepburn too. Yeah, so and then kinda... Catherine Hepburn oh. in like kinda of, she and they dress her to be kind of all delicate and imperial. She's almost like a gazelle. But she still sounds like she's from uh, like Connecticut. Ah <laughs> Yes, Bill. Oh, my God, he sounds like James Cagney. <laughs> <laughs> this guy. It's a fish. Lion in winter. Anyway, uh, yeah, Lion in winter. Sounds, you know what? She sounds like Mrs. Bain. It's a fish. Lion in winter is better every time I see it. I need to 
watch that. That sounds good. It's just pirate me a copy right now, please. <laughs> I I just bought the DVD bill. Maybe I'll rip it for you and Lee drop it in an internet dumpster. Yeah, thank you. So is the DVD any good? Does it have any like special features or anything? It's like an old cheap DVD. It's that got good because I'm in the mood for like an old movie. It's good, dude. With old people. And it's got a great theme song. Yeah. It's actually uh, the theme song to it and the theme song to Papers Please kind of go together because <laughs> they're both kind of bombastic marches. For some reason, I just pictured like the theme from Black Adder just playing over like you know because it's all medieval and shit like that. Um, but no, that sounds awesome. Shit. I watched a bunch of terrible movies. Yeah. Because the, it was the Mystery Science Theater 3000 Turkey Day Marathon, which so- they hadn't had. In almost 20 years. Yeah, so they did it all online? Yeah, so have you ever watched much Mystery Science Theater? Yeah. Um, I watched so, it back yeah, in the day. So, like, back in the day, like, uh, uh, I watched both on Comedy Central and Sci Fi. I see, I never saw any Sci Fi episodes, mm-hmm. and they were showing Sci Fi episodes during the marathon, so mm-hmm. it was the first time I got to see those, and they're mm-hmm. actually pretty funny. Yeah. I, they, I forgot they changed Crow's voice. Yeah. They got it, they got, they replaced Dr. Forrester, yeah. who also did the voice of Crow, and they got some guy from the Bronx. He doesn't sound bad, but he's different. It's different. But no, yeah. the marathon was great, yeah. So, uh, uh, uh so the turkey day marathon was this thing that mystery science theater would do on uh, every thanksgiving back in the early 90s and once the show uh, switched from comedy central to sci-fi network I, for some reason they stopped doing the thanksgiving marathons and the reason why they brought it back this year was this year's the 25th anniversary of the beginning of mystery science theater and not only that but mystery science theater first debuted on thanksgiving day yeah. 25 years ago so joel hodgson's decided to say fuck it i'm just gonna uh, do a marathon of six episodes online mm-hmm. and uh, well and and the they also just came out with a new DVD box set of oh. Mr. Science. So it was it was as much just to promote this sure. new DVD box set. Even though a- after the marathon was over, Shout Factory was online saying, hey, would you guys like us to do this again next year? So hopefully maybe become a new tradition again. That'd be great. But it's weird because I don't know if they have to pay for the rights. I was just wondering, what are the rights involved Because in I wonder, I'm assuming it's a different thing than if you just show it on TV, yeah. which I'm assuming this is why they didn't show it on TV anywhere. Digital streaming. But... Yeah. And well, because I know the rights to some of these movies is what's kept uh, these guys from publishing a lot of these movies on DVD too. So right, it's kind yeah. of an interesting situation, but huh. uh, but it was very cool because like what movies did they show? Uh, it was Mitchell. Yeah, it was it was Mitchell. Joel Hodgson's last episode. Yeah, uh, Cave Dwellers. Oh God. Um, I forgot what the th- they had three Joel movies and three Mike movies. Okay, and later day Mike, sci-fi network Mike movies. Mm-hmm. And so I forgot they got rid of the Mad Scientist and yeah. like there's a monkey, it's, it's, there's there's monkeys and shit. Yeah, and, like, it's like Doctor Forster's mom. Yeah, I didn't see. I never because I never had sci-fi network, so I never saw yeah. any of this shit. So yeah. I'm like. What the fuck? But it was very cool because the, the, in the Mystery Science Theater 3000 community, there was a big debate as to who's better, Joel or Mike. But it was Joel uh, hosting, mm-hmm. and, he, and he started off the episode with a Mike episode, and he was like, yeah, actually, my favorite Mystery Science Theater 3000 episodes to watch now are Mike episodes, because I wasn't part of it. I don't know what jokes are coming. Yeah. That I get to watch it like everyone else. And he's like, yeah, yeah. actually, Mike episodes are my favorite ones. Yeah. And so that was really cool. And yeah. Like, oh, it was just a really good time. And then uh, he wrapped up the marathon. He's like, he brought out of turkey is like I hope all you guys you know because Joel Hodgson sounds like he's on he's stoned he's like I hope all you guys have turkey I'm gonna go have turkey and he turns around and puts a turkey on the table and Tom and Servo come out and they come be they don't say anything but they're like that's the only time they show up there in the marathon yeah. but they're there it's like oh and then it fades to black and that was the end of the marathon but yeah no I did Cute. that I made an Alton Brown turkey yeah oh man this is the first time I ever brined a turkey yeah so I had to brine the turkey in like five gallons of say, vegetable yeah. stock that smelled like feet. <laughs> I got this super potent like organic vegetable stock, okay. which was super bright carrot orange, oh, smelled geez. like tomato mixed with feet. 
didn't, oh didn't taste bad. It just had very specific odor, and I had yeah. to throw like a bunch of brown sugar and allspice stuff. Yeah. And and I was kind of worried because like yeah. yeah, like I said, this brine smelled weird, and I had to like let this turkey stew in this yeah, stuff I was for say twelve you're hours. To it. Yeah, and, but it was funny because when I took the turkey out, the tur- turkey looked completely normal. But when I cooked it, the turkey turned into this dark red mahogany that I've never seen a turkey look like before. Wow. It was fucking mwah. It yeah. was delicious. The yeah. Alton Brown, I did, you did right by me. <laughs> I like your brine recipe. It was fucking fantastic. <laughs> yeah, so I did that. I made uh, mashed potatoes and, and it watched Mr. Science Theater and stuff. Yeah. Oh, it was fucking good. Stove top. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Made a chocolate uh, chocolate uh, pudding pie. Oh, it was uh, fucking... Nice. Oh, was, yeah, I had a perfect little Thanksgiving. That's was awesome, Bill. Yeah. Aww. And, um... Just did that and played a whole bunch of Mario and Zelda this week. Yeah, so how are Mario and Zelda treating you? Man, Mario, you, you, Annie played just like like five seconds of Mario before we started recording. Yeah, I played the first one. Man, this may be my favorite 3D Mario game. Yeah. Um, it's, 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 it's really interesting because instead of like the free roaming nature of like Mario 64 or um like Mario Galaxy, mm-hmm. it reverts back to like each stage is a it's back to a relatively linear obstacle course to the mm-hmm. point that like you even still have the flagpoles at the end you have to jump up to yeah. like on the old Mario games. Yeah. And so the stage is a little more shorter but they're more focused. Like instead of like being like wandering around like looking for things to do, it's like, you know, you know what your goal is. It's right. Just to get to get to the end but this game like the graphics are really good like the lighting is really gorgeous like I- i'm really surprised that nintendo was able to make such a pretty game yeah despite the fact they've only been doing hd games for less than a year now yeah and the music is fantastic it's all instrumental stuff like they get hired a big band to do all the music for the for the game so that sounds gorgeous and um man you get to the last world <laughs> spoilers for uh, super mario 3d world but it's a big amusement park. Oh yeah. And the lighting on it just like really kind of like gorgeous big like blown out lighting and it's like just really interesting this huge like yeah this huge uh amusement park in the background just looks really gorgeous like there's huge Bowser made of lights hmm. like something you'd see in a car- in a carnival or in oh, Las wow. Vegas or something like that yeah. that's animatronic and kind of moving around. That's and- great. And uh, it's just it's just really pretty. It's fun to play. You get four Mario characters from Mario Two, so you get to choose which character you want to play as. So yeah. I play as Peach all the time. Yeah, who does not want to float around? Yeah, the power ups are great. You can turn into a cat. You could um, you could get phone calls from your family that you're gonna have to shut off your phone and call them back later. <laughs> um, but yeah, they even brought out like like the giant like mushrooms that you get uh, like in the new Super Mario Brothers games. Mm-hmm. Like, they have those in these games, so you turn into, like, 50-foot-tall Peach or Mario and stuff. Yeah. Um, there's all kinds of shit. There's one, like, uh, helmet you can put on that so you can shoot bullets out of your head, out of your face. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's another one where, like, there's ghost houses where you put on a helmet, like, light comes out of your face so you can, like, mm. destroy ghosts by shining lights onto them. Nice. There's all kinds of, like, the powers from this game are really inventive, and there's a lot of the game. Um, yeah. The 3D Land, essentially the version of this game that came out for the 3DS, was interesting because once you beat the game, you actually unlocked an entirely remixed version of the game. Interesting. Uh, Essentially, it essentially doubled the amount of worlds in the game. It was a fucking huge game and super lengthy. And this game doesn't seem to quite do that, but you still unlock, once you beat the game, there's like a Star World set of courses, Mm. which I actually may set aside to play on a rainy day because I just beat the game last night. I finally beat Bowser. Mm. It was just a nice new experience. I'm like... Because yeah. like, this game is good enough, I want to see if like the actual special yeah. post game stuff is a special treat. Maybe we'll play on play that on Christmas Day or something. Yeah. Uh, but oh, I'm also still playing Zelda too, which is taking up the rest of my time. So I've heard mixed things about Zelda. Why? I people on my Twitter feed are either sucking its dick or bitching about really? it. Really? Why? 
Uh, what are they complaining about? I just saw complaining and I scrolled right by it. I didn't it's, really... Well, I mean, it's, I guess it depends on which kind of Zelda game you grew up with. Mm-hmm. Because this really just goes back to the original Zelda formula of, like, it's top-down. They just uh, throw you into this environment and say, hey, go off and do whatever you want. You don't have to do anything in any particular order. Uh, you don't have to you don't have to worry about getting any specific items. You can get you know you just collect uh, items and tools in in any way you want. You can upgrade them however you like. Just go off and explore. And so it's it's not really a shaped or guided experience, which I could see that being kind of confounding to people. Yeah. I like there's one item in the game called the Pegasus boots, which lets you run, and not only run but you can dash into trees and stuff. Uh-huh. And you can like when you dash into trees, you can knock out like like a. Uh, money and ammo and and food that like helps replenish your health which is not necessarily necessary to complete the game but it's a nice thing to have especially if you're running low on health and you're trying to get to a safe point where you can like reboost your health it's nice to know mm-hmm. that you can bash into a tree and apples fall and you can eat it and, and replenish your health but the, the these boots are randomly you have to just like there's nothing in the game that says hey you, you can get the boots here you have to go talk to this thief in this town and, and if you catch him he'll give you the boots there's nothing you just you just find that out by yourself hmm. Which, that's, this is the kind of thing people have, have been kind of missing from Zelda games. Because yeah. Zelda games over the years have become much more guided. Right. Like, there's no... They've kind of lost their sense of exploration and letting you be able to do anything because Nintendo's been so worried that you would get lost in a Zelda game and miss important things like that. Right. That's, yeah, this is the first time they've gone off and t- essentially taken the training wheels off and let you do whatever you want. Which yeah. means you can miss things. Right. And so I, the, the one complaint I've seen that people say, have about this game, is the fact that you can miss things. Which that's kind of the point about an exploration game is like, like yeah. you're not supposed to be able to get everything at once. Right. Like you might actually need a walkthrough. It's, right. The game's not going to guide you through all the way. But they give me, the music's fantastic. Oh, there's one, you go to this bar in the one little town in the game mm-hmm. and there's this... In the milk bar, there's a couple of musicians, and you go up to them, pay them a couple bucks, they'll play music for you, and they play these great instrumental covers of old Zelda music. Oh, that's great! And just like the, it's some of the best Zelda music ever. You know, because it's like a little like run yeah. fair band. Yeah. Like it's actual reason to hang out inside this little milk bar. Oh, that's cute. It's just, it's just really cute, and the uh, power ups are really like amazing. And well, one of the other thing, other things too is uh, the way you uh, level up your your items and stuff there's um a giant mama octopus in the game mm-hmm. and she has lost 100 of her babies and mm-hmm. you have to go out in the world and find her babies and sometimes her babies are hidden up in trees and yeah, again if you don't have the pegasus boots you can't hit you can't dash into the into the trees and knock down the babies and pick them up because for every 10 of her babies that you find and bring back to her she will often upgrade one of your items like the boomerang yeah. you can, instead of just throwing one boomerang you can throw three of them now mm-hmm. or like bows and arrows will become more powerful and stuff mm-hmm. like that so you miss out on that stuff yeah if you don't have pegasus boots interesting and but that's you know tough shit. They yeah. should have explored more. Yeah. yeah. So I can see that's people being upset with that. And the graphics look, look a little cheesy because uh-huh. it seems like they try to make this uh, this Zelda game kind of look. It seems like they try to do with the Zelda game what they did with uh, Mario 3D World, mm-hmm. where they try to make it look like old Zelda, but like in 3D with kind of like very specific kind of lighting effects and a lot of weird texture or bump mapping on stuff mm-hmm. to kind of give things texture. Whereas I don't think the 3DS is a powerful powerful enough to do what they're trying to do, like what would they do what they do with 3D World? Yeah, but because you know 3D World's all HD and right. they have more tools. But so the 3DS Zelda game looks a little looks a little more plasticky. Yeah, but still fine. It's, yeah. it's yeah, it's it's a good game. Though. I'm I've only beaten like two or three dungeons. Well, no, it's oh man, it's the other thing too. You feel like you get these three magic pendants. 
and you go off and you get the Master Sword. Mm -hmm. And man, at, when you first start off the game, when you're in, in the Hyrule Overworld, there's a little bit of a the, the Zelda theme that plays. But once you get the Master Sword, the full Zelda theme, like it's, it's like a different version of the full nice. Zelda theme plays. And you're just like, yeah, I'm gonna kick everything's ass. <laughs> Rinky Dink Zelda game on a 3DS. Yeah. Like, yeah, it was one of the That's most awesome. triumphant moments ever in a Zelda game because it's like it's, so good. it's like it's it's not just like uh, synthesized horns or anything like that. Yeah. They actually got a big orchestra oh, to play the awesome. Zelda theme music. It's like da, 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 da. it's just like yeah, it was fucking good. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it, it's I'll have more to talk about next week when maybe I'll be in the next week. Who knows? But. I'm so glad you're enjoying it, Bill. Yeah, the fact that both these games came out on the same day last yeah, week. Yeah, I like that you and I are both having like, this really fun time, but with such disparate experiences. Oh, this is the other thing, too, because like, the plot is, if you ever wanted to try a Zelda game, this is simple enough. Mm -hmm. And also, like I said, because it's it's takes the training wheel, training wheels off and lets you explore, this is the one Zelda game, like, if I ever, if you ever, if, Annie, if you ever said to me, like, Bill, watch Zelda game should I try first just to get like a pure hit of Zelda, I would say yeah. this game. So if you ever want to borrow Zelda. I never will. I know, but I'm just saying I'm just throwing it out. But there. yeah. Oh, and oh, one last thing. Mario 3D World has a bunch of hidden little Luigi's. Yeah. Well, eight bit Luigi sprites oh, yeah, throughout I noticed the game. That randomly. Yeah. Um I guess it's because it's you're Luigi. You're Luigi, but this the weirdest thing. Like yeah. I've heard about supposedly there's a big train. Uh, boss battle in the game where you're like running around on the back of a train. Suppose I guess like like if you look far enough, like Luigi will be ch little eight bit Luigi will be chasing after the train. <laughs> There's one stage where you're on top of a cliff looking over this ocean, and if you look out into the ocean, if you turn around, you'll see a giant Godzilla sized eight bit <laughs> Luigi sprite walking into the ocean. Um, there is a Zelda Easter egg too. One of the worlds that if you um, if you use fireballs to light these little two candelabras, it'll open up a door and you go up into this uh, puzzle world that... You're essentially this big light-up puzzle that turns out to be uh, an 8-bit sprite of Link from The Legend of Zelda. And it's actually playing the Zelda music up there. Aww. So, that's yeah, no, but it's... Oh, and then there's a Mario! Mario Kart track! What? Uh, Mario Kart uh, world you, in the game. Are you... Do you play... Do you have a cart? Or are you just running around You don't around have it? a cart. What happens, so... You're on a linear uh, obstacle course. Right. Except uh, a spread all throughout the obstacle course is a bunch of speed-up tracks. It makes you run super, super, super fast. Oh, that's great. And so you have to keep on hitting these like these like, yeah. chevrons and make you run fast, and then you're collecting stuff. But it's playing the Mario Kart music just for oh, this one great. world, this oh, one that's level. that's really cute. And like, it's all done up the... And it specifically looks like the Mario Kart from... Uh, the Super Nintendo too. Oh yeah, I, can, yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. So good. And it's just like, oh my god, yeah, Mario 3D Land is so fucking clever, and That's it's just great. like, it's just fun, happy, yeah, fun times. Oh, but the saddest thing in the world is, people found. So because it's a Wii U game, it has the Miiverse integration where people can right. leave notes about stuff they've done in the game. Mm -hmm. And there's this one note that when somebody found this one kid left saying, "This game is fun. I like it a lot. I." I, it's it's really fun because my parents have been fighting a lot. Yeah, I saw it's that. It's the saddest, like, oh. yeah. And everyone was like, oh, poor yeah. like this little kid named Alex. And it's like, oh man, poor Alex. Yeah. But anyway, I was just kind of a. That's what you get for having social media in your video game devices. Yeah. You're gonna get like little sad messages like yep. that. Oh. oh yeah. Oh Mario. Mario. Right, friends. We gonna take a quick break. We'll be back for the Geek Week in review. So speaking of Black Friday, 
Yes. Did you do anything with Black Friday? No. No need. Did you buy, oh, you bought the PlayStation Plus. Stuff, I bought right? the PlayStation Plus thing, but I stayed home and I cleaned house. Did you just buy one year? Yeah. Because I bought two just because that, that's yeah. essentially like you're for the 60 bucks you're getting. Yeah. Like, yeah. So I'm, I'm set for all kinds of free games and shit like that. Oh, the only thing I did, they had Pee-Wee's Playhouse and Almost Famous on Blu-ray for five bucks a piece. Yeah. I didn't have Pee-Wee's Playhouse because come on, Pee-Wee's Playhouse. <laughs> I'm not putting any fingers. There was not nothing that interesting in terms of Black Friday sales or anything like that, aside from the uh, super cheap, well, not even super cheap Vita thing. Yeah, just, you know. You know, actually, that Vita sale was not that much. It was only 25 bucks off. It was the fact that you get a whole bunch of free games with it. You got, like, yeah. Uncharted and yeah. The Walking Dead and stuff like yeah. that. But, yeah. Well, The Walking Dead was already played, Uncharted, which is not very good. Yeah. Uh, Did yeah. you buy the Uncharted game? It was free with PlayStation Plus. Yeah. So it's actually loaded onto the Vita that I'm loaning to you. Oh, okay. So you give it a shot. It's weird. It's weird to play an Uncharted game where the only Uncharted character is Nate. Oh, really? It doesn't even have, like, a... Oh, no. It's got. It's actually a prequel like a... to Uncharted uh, 1. No, and so you meet, like, these other characters, meet this um, Hispanic Steve Buscemi. It's amazing. Yeah. How long is it? Like, half uh, an hour long? I, I got 45 minutes into it and I stopped playing. That's bad. There's a card training trading mechanic to what? it. And then the developers just came out with a straight-up Uncharted card game for the beta. Oh, that's yeah. right, because it wasn't even made by Naughty Dog, right? It was no. like somebody here in Oregon. Yeah, yeah it was a... Uh, uh, I can't remember They've the all name. been shot. <laughs> well, They're no, I mean, you know what? I don't envy anyone who has the uh, the responsibility of making an Uncharted game that's not Naughty Dog. Actually, it was interesting. I read a postmortem somewhere online by the guy who was basically the writer for it. Yeah. He's talking about how... So it wasn't even written by the... Because no, I, I thought no. maybe it was at least written by Naughty Dog, and they just no. handed it off to a different developer just to uh, make uh. make the, the actual game. I think they had oh, to get ultimately sucks. the blessing of Naughty Dog, but yeah, uh. it was... Yeah. I, but I don't envy any in that position, so I think it's like they a did Zelda a fine CDI job. Game. I think they did a fine job for with the constraints oh. that they had placed upon them. Was that like a launch title for the Vita? Yeah. Okay. Uh, but uh, before we go into more video game talk, and before we go into the Geek Weekend review, I'm going to go into a very specific video game talk. I want to go into Annie's uh, Assassin's Creed 4 Tips Corner. <laughs> A friend of mine asked me um, tips on getting money in the game because yeah. uh, she was always broke. And so these are my tips for making money in Assassin's Creed 4. Because the game is better if you have money to spend uh, quickly. So, uh, I very... I Anytime I got a new environment, I hit up every single chest. It's just so I'd have some money. I try to um, hit up every single chest. I yeah, that's right, girl. Uh, so then I poured everything I had into... Uh, upgrading my ship at the start. Like, I didn't even bother with my weapons or anything like that. Because oh, most you like upgrades, personal weapons. Yeah. Uh, the ship, yeah. Because I'm like, the combat is less enough an aspect of this game, and you don't get any money from combat, and you can get upgrades through hunting and stuff. And I was like, I'm just going to focus on my ship. So I leveled up my ship to the point, that, and then I took it out, and I just started attacking every ship I could, and boarding every ship I could. Because by boarding a ship, you have the option of either lowering your wanted level, repairing your ship or sending it to your fleet send every ship to your fleet the wanted level doesn't really affect you that much because those hunters you just turn around and you fuck them up mm -hmm. and then you send the ship to your fleet and then as soon as your fleet is full um, compare the stats of your the ships you've taken to the ships that you have in your fleet already and then just salvage all the ones that are the lesser stats 
and uh, just expand your fleet as soon as possible and then just start sending them on missions because then you know you, you stop playing for nine hours you come back and there's 15,000 reals oh so it's doing stuff in like real time while you're yeah oh, okay yeah so the trick is really just get those convoys working for you and attack royal convoys because you find royal convoys in the world map and if you take down those ships they have usually starting at 10,000 reals on board and again you send it to your convoy and those are usually pretty good pretty good ships sounds like tiny tower but with pirates <laughs> so that's annie's fuck shit up in assassin's creed four corner my tip for uh, tiny death star uh-huh. is build residential levels like a motherfucker mm-hmm. because you can't make money off of the cantina off of a scoop of hoth <laughs> off of what other fucking star wars themed businesses do i have if you don't have people working the goddamn shop that's so right at least for every shop you have you should have, have at least like one residential apartment complex mm-hmm. preferably like maybe alderan apartments because each apartment complex you guess is based off a different planet uh-huh. there's coruscant looks really pretty mm-hmm. there's like felucia which is all fucking fungus and shit that's my tiny death star <laughs> Uh, my Legend of Zelda A Link Between Worlds tip corner is go get the Pegasus boots. I was going to say, I picked up on that, Bill. Go to Karakugol Village. Go find the thief. You can sneak up on the thief if you turn into painting Link. You could put yourself on a wall and you sneak up behind him because he can't see you because you're a fucking living painting on the wall. Right. Which is kind of horrifying. <laughs> and then you jump out and you grab him and he's like, oh my god, I'm a thief. I stole these boots. Have these boots. Put them on your little baby feet. And you can run fast, run into a tree and knock an octopus, octopus baby. <laughs> get collect the octopus baby. <laughs> take the baby so you, you're a boomerang. Video game. I know, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Uh, All right. Having said that ridiculousness, let's move on to the geek. These really are shaped like snakes, though. I think they, they are shaped like worms, snakes, but no, they actually like they have like a little penis head. Oh, God. Ridiculous internet rumor of the week number one: CBS wants to bring back Star Trek as either a CSI-style police procedural about a crime lab spaceship, <laughs> or a House-style medical procedural about a hospital ship that can make black holes. I would totally watch a Star Trek poli- uh, a spa- uh, hospital procedural, actually. Space diseases? Well, that's the thing. Like, both like, uh, procedural TV shows seem to work on the idea that like, you're learning something about either law, if it's a like, law, 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 law procedural, or if it's medicine, at least it's based off of real medicine. Even though, like, n- like they, they tend to break uh, bend the rules all the times in terms of like real-world law and medicine, especially right. medicine well, stuff. Yeah. I don't know, but it's, it's a little bit like... Okay, you're right. For that reason, a medical drama wouldn't work. But a police procedural absolutely would, because that's not necessarily about law. If it's a space legal law. procedural... Do you oh, you said crime lab space spaceship. Law? Well, I'm just saying, I, I would watch... I have read enough shitty sci-fi books about space detectives that that is kind of my thing. I mean, if we were like a Mass Effect like detective Thing. I would that totally would watch different. a Citadel, please. I don't procedural. trust anyone who would want to make a Star Trek show. Yeah. Like, like say, oh, to be yes, fair, you got to make it like Law and Order. When you think about it, that's space the thing. Law. It would be, it would be. I, I'm thinking like a space crime drama. See, I'm that's a thinking, different thing. This sounds more. It is Star Trek. Star Trek is all about like slow deliberation, yeah. morality. Like, especially like. I'm assuming this would all be crimes in Starfleet, where like all, all like there's no money. <laughs> There's no disease or hunger. It'll be the most boring, like, did you steal his fruit cup? <laughs> yes, I stole his fruit cup. Now you must. Case solved. <laughs> now, you, for your punishment,
you must use the generator, whatever it's called, to make another fruit cup. <laughs> I know! <laughs> some kind of frontier law thing where like you're dealing yeah. with other alien yeah. cultures because it takes place within Starfleet. There's no story you could See, ever tell. That would I be would totally be interested in doing like a story and I'm saying this knowing nothing about Star Trek so this may be full of garbage. No, you, I mean, you, you, if you've seen an episode of Star Trek you, you know all you I need to know about Star Trek. I guess what I'm pitching Trek. is basically DS9 because I'm like it'd be interesting to be like a frontier That's exactly what it would, yeah. starship like uh, like a Starfleet uh, like post that's having to deal with all this Wild West bullshit. Yeah, but that's basically that's Space Nine, but you can never get past the first season. Yeah, well, okay. yeah, <laughs> yeah like no, I did enjoy the first season of DS Nine. I did enjoy the first season of DS9. Do you know how easy it is to stop watching Star Trek? Yeah, it's super easy. Well, there's so many other sophisticated television <laughs> shows out there. It's like eh. you have to be kind of you have to be kind of raised to be damaged for Star Trek. <laughs> To think to keep on going back to what I think. A I'm finally bit. getting to the point in my life where there is so much uh, media available to me, yeah. even media that I enjoy. I have to. I, do I enjoy it more than other things? Like that's my problem with my Kindle. I have all these books on here, and at the end of the day, I'm like, I really want to read this one mystery novel that my mom recommended, and that's Leslie Wilford is reading. I really want to read it, but at the end of the day, I can do that, or I can play more Assassin's Creed Four. Did you see uh, all all five Game of Thrones books were ten dollars on Kindle? Yeah, Black Friday. Yeah, I did. I did all pop pull the trigger on that. I still have not, I've only read up to, I think the third book. I've yeah. read that and I still haven't read the Now the I can read two. it without breaking your wrist. <laughs> well, that's the other thing too. It's nice to have it on. Oh Kindle, yeah, yeah, yeah. My, I already own, I own Dead Tree. Even though supposedly according to everyone who's ever read the books, they say don't even bother reading past the third book, which is exactly as far as I've gotten. Yeah. I'm, I'm tempted just to flip through it just to see. You are better off reading up to the third book and then kind of reading the Wikipedia entries. On the which I, that's essentially what I've done. I mean, I know everything yeah. that happens. You've spoiled me to everything that happens in the last... Yeah. They say when the next Game of Thrones books come out. I have so fallen off the Game of Thrones train. The last book burned me so hard I've kind of lost interest. Is it weird that so many people like to dress up dress up like Daenerys Targaryen despite the fact she's kind of a rape victim? Doesn't that freak you out a little bit? It's not... They're not dressing... It's in, If anything, it is more powerful that she is more than just that. Oh, no, I'm just saying, but uh, it always seems a little like... I wonder how many people really kind of think about that, though, like... Kind of like a little fucked up situation. I mean, it's 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 good the situation that she's in. She's a super powerful lady, but like how she gets there is still kind of like. We've talked about this on the Ridiculous show. Ridiculous internet rumor of the week number two: a full size Millennium Falcon with completed interior has already been built for the new Star Wars episode and is ready to be shipped to England. This is the rumored. This ain't. There's no. It makes no sense to film if you're gonna have a whole bunch of scenes that take place in the interior of the Millennium Falcon. If it's actually, if you're going to be filming those bits inside the a real Millennium Falcon you've built, how do you get the lighting in there? You, you like in order yeah. to film stuff, you have to have flyaway walls so you can yeah. move the camera yeah. because that's a really cramped interior. That's yeah. like filming in the inside of like someone's like exactly. Bathroom. This is not like we built this ship in Prometheus. This is a tiny ass. I mean, you could ship. do that, but it's not going to look anything like the interior of the Millennium Falcon yeah. like in the previous movies. Also, frankly, why even if they were to do that, why the fuck would they fabricate it anywhere but on site? Maybe because it's cheaper. Like, you know, the, the Foxconn. I can't... <laughs> Foxconn, Foxconn, like, we're so like, I can't imagine it would be cheaper to build a scale Millennium Falcon and then have to transport it yeah. than just build well, it actually, on site. Well, when they built the scale Millennium Falcon for The Empire Strikes Back, they still built it in England, but they... That's they, the thing. They actually took it to a dockyard because the only yeah. people they found that knew, knew how to build something was, like, people yeah. who built real-world ships for They a did living. not build it outside of the <laughs> islands where it has to be. <laughs> They built it in Detroit. <laughs> I mean, but is there anything like, like 
the like like all the like like the Millennium Falcon has all kinds of like steam jets inside the like the interiors. There's always kind of kind of like, like you'd have to like figure out a way to like pipe semen into the interior of this Millennium Falcon. I mean, it'd be great. I heard you say pipe semen. Pipe semen. <laughs> well, that's that's my different thing. That, that's how Daenerys turned they in. adapt your fanfiction <laughs> stories. Well, you know, sometimes you know that's uh, you know you know that you know, um, Jabba the Hutt's always angry at Han Solo because he he. He, Han Solo got rid of his shipment of stuff. <laughs> Turns out it was a load of Tauntaun semen. Oh he got boarded by the Imperials. Oh, I didn't even genocidic semen. <laughs> just all this fucking 500 gallons of Tauntaun semen just, just like, floating in the space. Two months later, like, there's some <laughs> ship just basically there. Fucking X-Wing gets bukkakied. <laughs> what the hell is this? Oh, no. Someone had to inject their fucking space load. <laughs> Oh my god. You anyway, now whenever I ask me, I'm gonna call it Jenna Sigma Kirk. <laughs> no, that's your um new masturbate. That's the Millennium Falcon going into the space slug. Because it's a big cave and then it's a mouth thing. And it's it's George Lucas castration fear because he has to escape before it bites his penis off, which is also the Millennium Falcon. That for people actually make that argument about the sexual I'm just saying. Also, should we talk about which My Little Pony is the hot slutty pony? <laughs> Doctor Who raked in more money per theater question mark last week than any movie besides Felix Unger Games. <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting for that joke for a million years. <laughs> so yeah, you did not see the Felix Unger Games. I have not seen it yet. Unfortunately, we planned to go see it last Saturday. My wife had to work late. You're not gonna go see it this weekend. Uh, we're talking about going to see it tonight. Possibly. Mm, you gonna go see it back then? Possibly. Okay. Possibly. You see, uh, you see Jennifer Lawrence's clothes get burned off. That's right. How you doing? Anyway, why did you put a question mark there? It's weird to talk about Doctor Who breaking in the mo- um, any money at any movie theater. Yeah. So did they screen the? Yeah. So in the U.S. and the U.K., they screened that new 50th anniversary special. Mm-hmm. They 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 tried to make it sound like it was movie length. It's only like 70 minutes long. Yeah. But of course it would make it. Well, it, it's it's not that it. Yeah, it's not that it. It yeah, made it was, money per theater. It made four million dollars compared to what Hunger Games made like one hundred forty million dollars. Yeah. yeah, more. Well, that's because all the nerds came out to every yeah. theater, and it was only showing in, in like three theaters in the whole world anyway. Right. And when well, you, any like yeah limited edition. So when you're trying to cram be... seven million fans into yeah. three theaters around the world, of course those theaters are going to be super filled. Yeah. Uh. So yeah, and so of course everyone's using like, well, maybe now this will be justification for a Doctor Who movie. Some might do something, no. but it's not like this is not the metric they're going. No. Yeah. So, but at least, yeah, at least they made money off. At least wasn't that a a money losing venture? Oh, I saw. So my favorite thing, my birthday's this Thursday, Mm -hmm. and so what I like to do on my birthday is go to the movies. Mm -hmm. And I was looking at movies to go see on that are uh, open in Portland this on Thursday. The only ones I want to see are Twelve Years a Slave. It's not a birthday movie. No. And All is Lost. Have you heard about All what is, is Lost? What is All is Lost? No. Um, it's, it's a Robert Redford movie about okay. this dude who's he's on a yacht. And by himself, he gets lost in a storm. And supposedly there's almost no dialogue in the movie. It's just huh. Robert Redford for 90 minutes trying to survive huh. on this yacht all by himself. He's like lost at sea for a month. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole plot of the movie. I'm like, that hmm. actually sounds interesting. Yeah. It's like, do I want to do, do a double feature <laughs> yeah, of, of slavery thing, and an old white dude? Bill, go to the Academy, the second-run theater here in town. Go see Elysium and Despicable Me 2. <laughs> What's well, the other thing? I found out, so on, on on Thursday, they were showing Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. And I was like, what the hell is that? 
Wait, so have you never seen Santa Claus Conquers? Oh yeah, I've seen it a million times. Yeah, I was just gonna say. Through Cambridge, I'm like, what the fuck is this? And so I tweeted about it last night. I'm like, why would you want to go see that movie with if it's not going to be the Mystery Science Theater 3000 movie? Because it's a fucking terrible movie. Yeah, yeah. Turns out it's the it's a riff tracks thing. So oh, you know how some of those Mystery Science yeah. Theater 3000 guys they went off. And yeah. Play? I can't remember which ones which guys these are, but they, yeah, with the riff tracks thing. So they're doing a live broadcast of riff tracks. They're essentially mm-hmm. doing Mystery Science Theater 3000 live. On my birthday on Thursday, so maybe I'll go see that. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. That was. I've been curious about that Rift Tracks stuff. See how it, it works. Could be terrible. Yeah. I want. I I, well, I haven't I, listened to it, so I might like look up some videos this weekend to see if it's any good. Maybe. I'm more intrigued about the logistics of those sort of live events. It's things. Be, yeah, it's one of those live broadcast things. So yeah. I'm kinda like, I've always been intrigued like those. Like, there's a local, there's a theater, a national theater change, I should say, that does like operas and stuff. Like, well, the yeah, Met. like it's the Fathom event shit. I'm always like, kind of intrigued by that. You know, you know, if you go to that, you're gonna be the only person in the theater. That's the thing. I, I, but I need to do it. You can like, you can fuck it. You can go in there with a hot tub, butter, popcorn, and no pants, and just like go to town, and no one's gonna say anything about it. Did you read this essay that was on comics? I think it was on Comics Alliance or the Comics Journal yesterday. No. That was, um, it's called. Oh, now I can't remember. But it was basically a screed on how to be. Uh, in comics as a terrible man and part of it was there was like halfway through it's like a multiple choice uh bit like see if you've uh comprehended all the things we've discussed it's like you go to a movie theater and get some popcorn and cut a hole for your dick uh a, a woman who's who's one of your peers comes forward and uh like does not i'm not i'm failing anyway there's a great joke in there about oh, what does that have to do with comics have you been have you missed the whole Brian Wood controversy? No, what happened? Did you really miss the whole... I guess you never put Who's it Brian on the interview, actually, now that I think about it. What? Oh, no! No! It's been the big comics drama for the last, did like, he, month and a half. Did he do the and Teller penis in the popcorn trick? No, he didn't, actually. Well, no, there's been a whole discussion about misogyny in comics lately and the culture of misogyny in comics. You've t- been totally out of loop on all this. I know comics are massage. <laughs> <laughs> no, Brian Wood is a prominent uh, writer of comics, okay. and more what than anything that, he he wrote DMZ. Well, he I wrote... love that. That's so good. My favorite. <laughs> he wrote Northlanders. He's written a lot of comics, but he's known as a feminist because he writes strong female characters and he works with female creators. Uh, a woman. Uh, made some comments about how she was at a comic convention. She was there as an artist, you know, with her books. A an, a person who was prominent in the comics industry came to her and said, I really like your art, I really like your work, you know. Um, and then came on to her and invited her to his hotel room. And when she did not, when she's, you know, she did not make this happen, he um, made fun of her openly and said that he never actually liked her art. He was only just trying to get her in the sack. And after that, uh, eventually it was identified to be Brian Wood. He was married at the time. Uh, he, uh, other stories came out. He apparently, um, hit on a woman who worked in the offices at DC. She, I can't remember what office she was in, but she was the only woman in the office. And when she refused to give him a hand job. He spread rumors about how, oh, you know, there are women in the office department at D.C. that are just like, you'll fuck anything that moves. Well, she was pretty much the only woman and there, and it kind of created her career, and also the rumors were terrible, so she left comics. 
and all these terrible stories have been coming up about you know misogyny. So it's kind of a wolf in sheep's clothing. Very much so, and it's all exactly. It's all the more alarming because he presents himself as a feminist, and he really has done things to put female artists in the spotlight. But at the same time, he's still a male writer writing about female experience, and just kind of. You know, and then on top of that, all these allegations come out. And this, this, really, this has been over the last couple of months, dude. No, I totally... It's got to the point where it's, it, Brian Wood... It was interesting. Brian Wood said nothing, nothing, nothing as this um, this was going on. Uh, and when you go to... I kept checking in at his Twitter feed just out of curiosity. And he was only posting about his children. And his Twitter icon was a picture of him and his daughter. And it was like so... He was in defense mode where it he's was like, like yeah, I love man. my daughter. Oh, man. And I, you know... I'm a good family. And he finally released a uh, uh, statement where he's like, oh, well, yeah, that was like eight years ago and my wife and I weren't married yet, which it totally is not what the woman says. And he's like, you know, I'm sorry about all this and all these allegations. He doesn't deny it. He just is like, you know, I'm a changed man and blah, 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 non-apology. And now his Twitter feed is locked. (sighs) And more shit's come up. It's been, it's been a shit storm. There was a really funny essay that was coming out. Moners will make you do stupid shit. Yeah, so, but I mean, that on top of, like, Dick Wolf stuff and other racism in the comics industry. It's been a really banner year for uh, comics. Anyway, uh, uh, point is, I read a funny essay making fun of that and making jokes about Dick in a popcorn container. Um, anyway. Why would you want to do that? Because the, the chances of you getting butter in your penis hole. I know, the, the, the essay does use uh, a mixed allusion to her denying your butter-stained dick. <laughs> Phrase butter stain, oh, so good. God. Anyway, in other news, the Last of Us dash movie dot com and the Last of Us movie dot net were registered by Sony this week. The end. That's all you need to know. So, who gets to star in the Last of Us movie? If any, uh, Maloney were directing and producing, Tom Hardy. Oh God! No, actually, when they were developing it, they had originally done like you can if you look at the concept From art. Texas? It's it's Tom Hardy. Oh no! It is. Oh, just and they Troy Baker. <laughs> He's gonna look like a crazy werewolf, Joel. But... Have you been listening to Tone Control? What the hell's Tone Control? Tone oh Control? no, no, I can't. When I went to go add it to iTunes, they didn't have an iTunes feed yet, so that that's how I'm listening to everything. Yeah. No, is Tone it Control is a podcast by um, Steve Gaynor of the Fulbright Company. Yeah. Gone home, but he's talking to various game developers about um, uh, specifically about story and games more than anything else, uh-huh. and story and design and games. Uh, there, he did one with uh, Neil Druckmann of The Last of Us, and it's interesting because they're talking about the development of The Last of Us, and originally the when uh, Naughty Dog broke off into two teams and one team was tasked to make a game they were ma- tasked to make a new jack and daxter game they were actually tasked to reboot jack and daxter and that was the team that eventually made the last of us instead it's, it's a really Fuck good jack and daxter it's a really good i've interview. never played that stuff but like no one cared I about loved, those games i loved crash bandicoot i can't point any fingers <sighs> i miss jack and daxter just because i didn't have a ps2 for so long hire someone else to do jack and yeah, fucking. Anyway, I'm sure there's some I dying. Was not, believe it or not, my point was not to shit upon Jack and Daxter. My point was just saying it was interesting that The Last of Us originally started. The team was originally. Who is not Tom? Hardy. Is Tom already old enough to play old Joel? Yeah. How old is he? Uh, he's in his thirties. Yes, Bill. He English. Have you seen The Warrior? He also did. It's play... a fucking Pittsburgh accent in that one. He also. Oh, really? Yeah. Is he specifically from Pittsburgh? I think he is. Oh actually. no, I, I would love to see He's that. He's in Pittsburgh or Philadelphia. He also did play young Patrick Stewart. Which yeah, that, I was that, that say. makes even less sense. Well, who would you cast as Ellie? 
because we a are young totally woman. up on our I was young starlets. It would have to be like some young. It would have to be an actual teenage girl, and I don't know if actual teenage girl actresses. Can't be Jennifer Lawrence. Can we just put Jennifer Lawrence? In <laughs> no, I want Jennifer Lawrence is Joel. Are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> she would not care. It would she would actually be kind of great. Side. It'd be kind of great. Oh my god! What is it? What, what if it was Catherine Hepburn and Spencer Tracy? <laughs> Oh, look at this porno uh, I found. Actually, uh, uh, I would totally do Spencer Tracy as Joel and Catherine Hepburn as uh, um, uh, Tess. That would be kind of rad. There's not going <laughs> to be Like, younger, Tess. both of them. Who do you get to play Tess? You get what's-her-face, hook-nose-face. Actually, I would get what's-her-butt. Oh, man, I can hear her Stone voice. lady. Lady you have a crush on. She played Penelope in um, Oh, Brother, Where Art Thou? Uh, I have... Oh no! Oh, yeah, got Helen Hunt. Thank you. Yeah, Helen Hunt. Holly Hunter. Holly Hunter. Who's the hell? Holly Helen Hunt is like the geriatric (laughs) idea. She's not geriatric. You get fucking Zoe Bell. Zoe Bell. Well, she can't act. Oh fuck you. She can take a punch. I can't. You know what? what Tarantino is gonna make another western. Do we know anything more about the western? Do we know anything more about this western? Bill other than he's gonna make one. You know what's gonna? It's gonna be about. It's gonna be about. Who are we talking about just now? Who are they making fun of? You know, we watched uh, Inglorious Bastards again the other day, yeah. and Inglorious Bastards is great because it is a western. It's a western, you know. Last of Us is a western. No, my favorite Tarantino movies are the ones that are uh, period pieces because he can't make nonstop uh, uh, references. references to pop culture. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because he still refers to Django Unchained. He says this is this has nothing to do with Django Unchained. It's just that he had had su- such a good time working on Django Unchained. He's like, well, now I want to do a western because yeah. he still classifies Django Unchained as a, as a southern. southern. So yeah. I guess this would be about more just about what white people, I guess, shooting each other. But well, even then, uh, westerns. I see. So I have really intense feelings, ill-defined feelings about westerns. Westerns are more about loneliness and isolation, and Django. Did that a little bit, but it didn't really like. It's about. Well, it's also um, part of his revenge cycle too. So I'm assuming yeah. that maybe the Western thing's not going to be so much about that. Kill movie. Bill is almost more of a Western than Django is in my eye because yeah. it's well, more, in terms of its. And in westerns, I feel like the environment is as much of a character mm-hmm. as as any other characters. And Django, the environment wasn't really a well, character. Kill Bill is, uh, is is a huge part of a samurai movie, which that's yeah. largely just a Western just filtered through uh, 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 Japanese yeah. bullshit. Um, <laughs> No, well, and then people were wondering maybe, like, if he does another Western, it, before he pointed out the fact that it has nothing to do with the Django Unchained, I saw some people saying that, well, maybe it's going to be about Tom Savini and what's-her-face. Actress lady I just said who can't act. Zoe Bell. Zoe Bell. Because, like, there was a lot of weird threat. Although, uh, the, the reason why he's going off, the reason why he even had this interview with uh, Jay Leno where he was talking about this, I guess there's a new uh, Django Chain comic book adaptation that yeah. came out, which sounds like it actually has all that stuff in there where you're going to find out more about those characters. Know. So, I'm just saying, yeah. if you and Foley want to find out more, more about Zoe Bell's jawless character, mm-hmm. it sounds like she, there's going to be more of her in the comic that just came out. Just throw that out there. I'm a- I don't mean to make fun of Zoe Bell. I just it's just the she... first thing that you say. It's like when you talk about Steven Seagal. No, just because like... Or uh, any other dude action hero, acting doesn't even come into it. That is why it drives me crazy charming, when you talk though. about Gina Carano or Zoe Bell. And also, I'm going to point out there, if you want to go from an acting perspective, compare Gina Carano to Zoe Bell. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say that. At least, well, at least Zoe Bell's charming, though. She doesn't have to act because she is charming <sighs> as hell. She's also not the worst part of Death Proof. <laughs> no, she's funny, not. Like, who's the black lady in Death Proof? She's actually probably the worst oh, actress Sydney in that Poitier's movie. Oh, Sidney Poitier's daughter? 
Yeah, not 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 big booby lady from Clerks too. The other black lady, she's probably the most like. Like I just think I when I think of Death Proof, the first half of Death Proof does not exist to me. Though the more I watch it, the more I see. No, I'm talking about of of, of of the girls, the second group group of girls, because you have <gasps> Tracy Tom. She's not terrible. Oh, no, I can't talk like... to you about this anymore. Oh. A new pick of Tom Hardy as Mad Max. They're still shooting pickups on that movie. How long has this movie been in development? They, sh- they started shooting it like a year and a half ago. Well, even then, they, they had... started shooting pickups a month ago, which is as long as most movies shoot. Yeah. I don't know if they, Damn like, fuck that they have to go back and remake the goddamn movie. Uh, now, instead of Charlie Theron, the villain is a pumpkin. <laughs> It's Tom Hardy's sex pumpkin. That's right. They're trying to escape. He's just chasing across the desert. Get back here, sex pumpkin. It's the softest, wettest thing in the desert. Like, they started building vehicles for this, like, like in 2006. Yeah, so, like, this has been, like, the lengthiest production of a movie I've ever seen. And it originally, like, started as an animated movie that George Miller wanted to make in, like, 2002. My God. There is no... You know what, though? I will say this. Here is the reason why I'm glad all this garbage is happening. It means I will go into that movie with literally the lowest master er, masturbation <laughs> expectations. <laughs> expectations. How is you said it out loud? How is you get to say, you know, Andy got busted the low, on the podcast. See, that was it. The lowest expectation I have of it, which is just, can I masturbate to Tom Hardy in this? Probably. The funny thing is, this movie's still scheduled to come out. They've reached, the official yeah. release date is like the middle of uh, summer 2015. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, did you see they bumped back the Warcraft movie? It's no longer coming out the same weekend as the new Star Wars in two oh, years. they're smart. It's like 2016 now. They're smart to do so. Yeah, poor Duncan Jones. Duncan Jones. Man, if they... Who's going to be you know, playing that thing, game I know. three years from I now? I know. That's scary. Here's the thing, though. I want Duncan Jones... I want this to make money somehow. Yeah. Uh, because I want Duncan Jones to have the money to make Mute. I want him to make me. Yeah, because even if they come out with that comic book, that, that should be coming out next year, right? Well, comic the Dark book, Horse. Comic books are notorious for being just an. an well, that doesn't actually pitch. preclude it coming out as a movie. It's actually. Well, yeah. no, but it's like a Darren Afronsky made a Noah comic book, and Although, now Noah's if, coming out. I mean, if he doesn't start making. If he doesn't start working on Newt or Mute until War, Warcraft comes out in 2016 now? Mm. You're not going to see that until, like, 2020. I want Duncan Jones just to make a Duncan Jones movie yeah. as opposed to... Because, you know, Source Code wasn't bad, but it wasn't good it either. It wasn't a Duncan Jones movie. It, it wasn't, wasn't it was no movie. movie. Yeah. 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 I don't director. want him to be one of those directors who what? makes their, their, their freshman effort that's all them and then everything after is kind of a wet fart. Um, oh, that's right. Elysium is out right now still. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I still haven't seen that. Neil Blomkamp. What's uh, what's his, what's uh, Chris Johnson working on right now? Not Chris Johnson. Ryan uh, Johnson. Ryan Johnson. Yeah. Um, he has not said. Okay. Working on something. Man, the world's end. Man, I love like the great movie makers out there. Like I just yeah, like, that's I, the thing. I, this whole generation of Alphonse Cuarón. Yeah. Edgar Wright. Yeah. Um, Ryan Johnson. Ryan Johnson. Yeah. Duncan Jones. Yeah. Uh, Neil, uh, Neil Blomkamp. They're like those, like that half dozen guys. I just like the fact that they're out there, even if they're working on like licensed properties or stuff. They're, that's just a great generation of uh, guy. Well, that's one of the other reasons I want to see Twelve Years a Slave too, because supposedly that's supposed to be a great movie and it's made by a black guy. Yeah. And like, it's rare that like, man, did you see that thing about? Um, uh, so I guess Old Boy just came out this weekend. Yeah. Sp- oh yeah, the Spike Jones or Spike Jones. Spike Same Lee. difference. <laughs> um, 
Well, did you see like something about how the, the guy who originally came with the poster designer yeah. got ripped off by the ad agency he was freelancing yeah. for? So he appealed. It's a little weird. He on Twitter he he appealed directly to Spike Jones or not Spike. You got me see, saying it. Fucked you up. Spike too. Lee, like oh these people ripped me off, and Spike Lee just brushed him off with like I don't know who you are yeah. or what this is. To be fair, Spike Spike Lee. There you go. Had well, that's not really on Spike Lee's yeah, shoulders to fix yeah. this situation, but he really just could. Well, like, what are you just, gonna do? Write an open letter to the ad agency? That's also weird. Mean? I didn't realize Spike Lee seems to be like borderline illiterate. Did you see his Twitter feed? Yeah. Everything he writes is capital. Every word, first word is capitalized. Yeah, it's like the captions. You kind of wonder if he's like brain damaged or something. Some like, people, well, you know, language is so the way people present themselves. Is that how he in language. writes all the scripts? Man, imagine. Imagine, like, dear lord, Jesus Christ! How do you tell what's who's the actual like character? It's just like Spike Lee. What are you doing? <laughs> Atlas is given the go ahead by Sega to make a new game based off a quote unquote long dormant Sega property. Sounds like it's gonna be Shenmue. Yeah, the guy directed Shenmue. I think he, he was making overtures about there's going to be some kind of a Shenmue announcement at some kind of, like, Japanese press thing in a couple, like, weeks or something like that. Yeah, I mean, and whatever this... happened to the shitty Shenmue mobile game? Either it never came out or... It, I'm sure it was Jap- uh, Japan only. Yeah. But either it didn't come out or it just died, you know, just in, in the cradle. Uh, well, this makes sense because Atlas makes, was it, the Persona games? Yeah, they make, and they make so RPGs. So yeah, they make JRPGs. Uh, like, mm-hmm. very character dialogue. Mm-hmm. Focus JRPGs. And that's kind of what Shenmue was supposed to be, mm-hmm. except with sometimes you do kung fu. Right. Um, so I guess if we just strip out the kung fu, like, yeah, there's no reason Atlas couldn't make a Shenmue game. But yeah, this being Thanksgiving week, there was not a lot of geek news. That's that's kind of the whole. What What are your hopes and dreams for a new Shenmue game? <laughs> um, to actually have a story and characters that I care about. Yeah. Bird. What was your favorite moments in the first two Shenmue games? Uh, let's see. What were my favorite? Honestly, uh. Wait, did you play them? Yeah. Oh, that's what I was joking with you. I played Shenmue 1 and 2. Yeah. I only played 5 minutes Shenmue 2. I played... I can't remember. I mean, Shenmue... Because the thing is about Shenmue... I don't necessarily remember moments from Shenmue. Me neither. I just remember the world. Yeah. It's just like being in that world. I still just like... Again, video games is holodeck. I still just enjoy the first... uh, My memories of the first Shenmue game. Yeah, because you're wandering around around a Japanese neighborhood circa 1986. Just kind of like talking to people. Yeah. You know, that's that's kind of gratifying. Yeah, those... I think those first two games were supposed to be like the first chapter of like sixteen chapters of the Shenmue. I think it was saga. at least meant to be a trilogy. Yeah, yeah. some kind of crazy. I well, think... I think he eventually came out and said like Shenmue two was gonna was supposed to encompass, like oh, he condensed man. like chapters. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Two through four. Yeah, uh, yeah. Which is great because in Shenmue two, nothing happens. That's why I was like, what? You meet a big titted lady on a motorcycle. <laughs> See, it's funny because like uh, I I played Shenmue two on the Xbox and mm-hmm. I was like, oh man, this game's gonna be awesome. I had such a good time with Shenmue one. I was like, yeah. oh my god, I'm, 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 I can't. Was this game always this bad? <laughs> yeah. So I never got very far into it. But yeah. yeah, the controls are all fucked up, and yeah. Yeah, you can't go home again, my friend. Yeah. Well, Bill, tell me, what are you thankful for this post Thanksgiving podcast? I'm thankful for sex, pumpkin. <laughs> I'm, I'm thankful, thankful for having Andy Maloney to record the podcast. Thank you, Bill. Bill, I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful that no one I know died or got fucked up or anything this year. Yeah. Just put this like. I'm thankful that this year is almost over. No one got cancer. No one got hit by a truck. No one had 
you know, I don't know. It could have been always worse. Yeah. That's pretty bad when you're thankful. Is like thanks. Yeah, I'm just thankful that things didn't go any worse for the world yeah. or, or anyone I know in particular. Yeah. Um, I'm thankful for all the ridiculous boy hattie listeners who, for some reason, put up with their garbage. All of you listeners who don't like video games and still listen to us anyway. All you listeners who cringe at us eating and yet we. I am thankful for Tim Tams. <laughs> There we go. Still. All right, friends. This was another terrible episode of the Boy Hattie Podcast. Uh, as always, we're at Boy Hattie Podcast on the Twitters. BoyHattiePodcast.com is our website. Oh, Howdy. this is now, now, now that it's after Thanksgiving, you know, we got to start worrying about our Swiss colony orders that we're going to place. <laughs> oh, man. I am so broke this Christmas. Everyone's getting a handshake for Christmas. Really? I don't know what to get my wife. This is the hardest thing about my wife's birthday being... You, too! You assholes with your near Christmas birthdays. And I have to think about two presents. You're getting... Hey, Bill, you get to borrow my pita. Happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> That's completely fine. Uh, you, don't, you never have to worry about my birthday or Christmas. Uh, what do you want for Christmas? Your, your birthday. Well, your birthday is coming up. Man, too. Foley. Yes, it is. What do you do for Foley, though? I don't Foley know, likes sports. Well, get the her, thing is, is that she it. doesn't really like things, get really. cable. She doesn't... <laughs> My parents did for her birthday send her um, New York Giants uh, laser cut steel uh, coasters yeah. and then a New York Giants um, uh, spatula with a bottle opener on the other end. It's kind of great. At least there's some things Foley does like, like. But the thing is, is that she liked those things because my parents got them and she imagined how excited my parents were getting them. And we do use them now. But she doesn't like things. She, we're both broke, so she doesn't want to spend any money. We actually had a conversation the other day. We were like, do you want to maybe not do presents this year? I know. I know. We just had a conversation about maybe not doing actual presents for my birthday too. And it's like what? I know I know all the re- See, you understand how much what? this breaks my heart. Are I understand serious? all the reasoning behind it and all the logic behind it and I'm all, but and I'm there was a part of me where I was like for Christmas you don't like presents but I do. So how about we just not get you presents and we just get me presents? I didn't say that out loud. That was Annie's an inside self is revealed. That was an inside so my wife will never listen to. At least you already Guys, cast I judgment on presents. yourself. Okay, now on this podcast that my wife doesn't listen to, and you all know I'm a terrible person. Guys, I love presents so much. I love presents so much. Presents I love having things amazing. that are wrapped up, and someone got it for me, and I get to think about what it is, and I get to pick up the box, and I get to shake it, and try to figure it out, and then I get to open it, and then I get to have a thing. I fucking love presents. <sighs> We'll talk to y'all next week. I'm going to take Annie to the hospital. She's had readily over presents so much. We'll see you guys next week. <laughs> <laughs>